we've started on a new series on uh, healing, the biblical way. And um, how many know God is a God who still performs miracles? He's a God who heals, amen. And we're going to be, I don't know how long we'll be in this series, but long enough that we'll have a good understanding of what the Bible says, says about God healing the sick. And notice I said God healing the sick. I didn't say we did. God heals the sick. Amen. And so tonight I want to look at the last six verses of Mark chapter 1. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 1. And let's stand for the reading of God's Word, verse 40 down to verse 45. And the Bible says, a very sick person, a leper, came to Jesus Christ. Now, if you're sick, that's the thing to do, come to Jesus Christ. We seek doctors, as I said last week, we seek doctors for um, healing. Uh, we look at medicine for healing. But when we really want a miracle, we got to seek the healer. And this man sought the healer. Amen. Verse 40, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him. And saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, that is, as soon as the Lord had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him that forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. For he went out and began to publish it much. He wrote a book about it. Actually, he didn't, but you know, that's what people do today. And to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places, and there came to him from every quarter. I want to draw your attention to verse 41. And Jesus moved with compassion upon this sick leper, reached out his hand and touched him, brought forth his hand, touched him. By the way, it was not permitted in the Jewish custom or the law of cleansing that you, could you were not allowed to touch a leper or the, the, the defiled. But Jesus touched him. Amen. Why? Because Jesus is contagious with healing. That man did not have contagious things to put on Jesus. Jesus had healing to put on him. And Jesus touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. I want to use for a subject tonight, praying for the sick. You may be seated. Praying for the sick. Now, this is a very touchy subject because of so many dead, dried-up churches across the land. I believe the Bible literally. I believe it's true. I believe God is a living God. And I believe that Jesus Christ still heals. I do believe that. There are so many sinners out there that need to be saved. We don't have a shortage of 
people to preach to the good news of Christ. There are so many sickness and so many people with sickness around the land that we don't have a shortage of people to pray for. And so I want us to understand some things before I get started much in depth because I want you to understand that so many times people get this healing process backwards. Because what they do is when they get this healing process backwards, they tend to um, spend all their time finding out what they can do. When we ought to be spending our time looking what God can do. Let us not spend all our time on what we can do, but what God can do and his will. What God's will is. God is not trying, listen, God is not trying to make celebrities out of us or heroes. He wants us to reveal Christ to a dying, sick world. If we put the focus on us, then we lose the priority of what God wanted done. You see, I don't believe in faith healers. I believe Jesus is the one and only faith healer. But I do believe in faith healing. I believe that God's people can pray for the sick and they shall recover. But God never intended for us to get the hero mentality that some way, somehow we had the power in ourselves to heal anything. The Bible's very clear about this story that the leper came to Jesus Christ. He was eaten up with leprosy. I'm not going to spend a long time here about his condition, but it was pathetic. He was literally rottening on his feet. It was awful. And no one could touch him but another leper. He probably did not know the hug or the touch of anyone. He was abandoned. He had to be abandoned because of his leprosy. And yet Jesus was good enough, kind enough, precious enough, and pure enough to reach out and touch this man. The Bible says he reached out with his hand and touched him. I don't know what that entails. Maybe he hugged him. I don't know. I, I think there are some indications that maybe he got right up close to him and just laid his hands on him with a love and a compassion. Because this man had cried, and he cried, God, Jesus, if it's just your Will, you can make me whole. You can cleanse me. You can, you can heal me if it be your will. Now, let me stop right now. That's not a place for you to demand or command that all people, it's God's will that all people be healed. Let me stop real, real quickly. Everyone can be healed just like anyone can be saved. Let me re repeat that again. Everyone can be healed just like Everyone can be saved if they come under the conditions and the proper conditions. So we need to understand that this man needed to hear Jesus Christ say, I will. It was God's will to heal this man. But this man didn't get his healing until he heard Jesus say, I will. And that should be the uh, pursuit of everyone in this room. If you're battling with sickness, if you're dealing with problems in your physical body, you need to pursue that voice of Jesus in your heart saying, I will. Because when Jesus Christ touched him and said, I 
will, the power is released. And so many times people don't get their healing because they haven't heard Jesus say in their heart, I will. It's not a matter of mechanics. It's not a matter of saying, well, it's God's will to heal everybody. I do believe that healing is in the atonement. I do believe that by his stripes that Jesus took before his crucifixion, by his stripes we are and were healed. I believe that, and let me stop real quickly because you need to understand what I'm, where I'm getting at. I don't want you to misunderstand me. But just because someone gets saved, forgiven of their sins, they're not automatically healed physically. When someone gets saved, they don't, they're not automatically healed physically. They, they may have problems in their body even after they get saved. Turn that around. When someone gets healed, it doesn't automatically mean they are saved. There's a two-part redemption. And we need to remember this real quickly because the healing of the body is a temporary fix. One day to be given a glorified body, which will be a permanent fix. But the atonement of healing is in the blood of the Lamb. And so if we'll just look at this and understand that we have a part to do. And our part to do is to get up close to Jesus Christ and get into his presence because that's what this leper did. He got in the presence of Jesus Christ. When this leper got into the presence of Jesus Christ and said, Lord, if you will, you can heal me. And the Lord said, I will. And touched him and healed him. And that's what you need to do. You need to get so close to the Lord that you will hear the Lord say in your heart, I will and touch you. That's a healing process. Now, you say, well, preacher, don't you believe that we can pray for sick, uh, the lost people that are sick and be healed? Yes, we can. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But please hear me. Be very diligent when you pray for the sick. Make sure that they've been born again. And if you want to pray for them to be healed and then come back later and confirm their salvation, that's fine as well. But the, one of the false teachings we had in the 70s in the church was this. If you got healed physically, you automatically were saved. That God always saved you when he healed you. And they used to teach that. If you got healed, then you automatically were saved when you got healed. That is not true. God can heal you as a sinner physically. God can bless you as a sinner physically and you still not be born again and saved. And so we should lay hands on the sick. We should pray for the sick. But we need to have the knowledge to understand that this is a two-part thing. This isn't a one, you know, this, is, this isn't what we call a three-in-one machine oil. This is not a two-in-one oil. People are not just automatically saved because they're healed, and people are not just automatically healed because they're saved. God comes along after we're saved, and he cleans us up, he purifies us, and he does special things for us. How many would agree that when you got born again, God started doing special things for you? You say, but he used to do special things for me before I was saved. That's true. But the special things isn't what saves you. The special things is what shows God's love to you. And that love intensifies after you're born again. And so when Jesus touched the leper, he transmitted healing to him. 
And he was marvelously healed. The first point I want to put out, I have three points tonight, and they are sharp. And um, before I get done, you'll be like the fat guy crawling under the barbed wire fence. Just a few more points to go, and we'll be done. But the first point I want to bring out is Jesus Christ is a miracle worker. And he heals too. Why is it we pray for our children to get good grades in school? Why is it we pray for our car to start in the cold winter? Why is it we pray for God to help us financially? Why is it we pray for a baby that's got a high fever and won't pray for each other? Why is that? Because we seem to think that God only heals under certain circumstances. And God isn't looking at whether you're a baby or a teenager or middle-aged or an old person. God is a God who wants to shed and shower blessings upon us. He wants to heal. God is a giver. And God is a healer. And we need to understand that God is a giver and God is a healer. And he's a miracle worker. There are churches everywhere that believe Jesus is a miracle worker. They talk about people being saved. They talk about, whoo, Jesus Christ. He, you know, he raised the dead and he died on the cross of Calvary for our sins and he got up from the grave and what a victorious Lamb of God. What a tremendous Savior. Jesus Christ walked on the water. He cleansed the leper. He opened blinded eyes and we shouted, glory to God. He's a miracle worker. And then someone says, would you pray for me? And why is it we lose, we, we almost have a disconnect when we talk about praying for the sick? God answers prayer. Are you hearing me? I'd be dead and in my grave already if it wasn't for God answering prayer. I know God answers prayer. And most of you, if you had a lick of sense in one eye, you would know that you're alive because God answers prayer. Maybe you didn't pray the prayer, but somebody prayed for you. And if you've got a lick of sense in one eye, you know that prayer, that God spared your life somewhere along the line. God has touched your life because God is a healing God. God's a good God. As Josh was saying, God is good. He's good. He's good. He's good all the time. And even when he puts pressure on us, and sometimes he allows the, 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 the evil or the wicked to uh, touch us, that which he hates, the pain he hates, in order to receive what he loves, God is out for the best of our good. And if it takes a little nudge with a problem in our life to nudge us back to the, to the uh, beautiful arms of Jesus Christ, then let the nudging begin. Let the pushing, let the stirring begin to bring us closer to God. Jesus Christ is a miracle worker and he heals the sick too. Amen. And you say, well, preacher, um, you know, I shouldn't have to read another thing other than the fact that Jesus stretched forth his hand to this leper and said, I will, and be thou clean. And he was healed. But you remember in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and, uh, through 6, let's go to Isaiah 53. Uh, I want to show you some scriptures. And we're going to spend a lot of time um, in the coming weeks about refreshing ourselves and preparing ourselves to really present Jesus Christ to people instead of presenting ourselves. I, I think one of the most damnable things that has come to 
the church is people thinking, well, you know, he just thinks he's a, he's a God man or he just thinks he's a powerful. Listen, I'm a born again child of God, but I'm no better than anybody else in this room. The same Holy Ghost that lives in me lives in you if you're a Christian. And God isn't making heroes or celebrities out of anybody. If he is, then they've, they've got the wrong teaching concerning healing. Verse 9. Uh, no, let's go to verse 4. Verse 4 through 6. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we were healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, someone says, well, this is only... Um, the healing of the soul or the healing of the spirit man. No, it's also the healing for physical healing. You say, preacher, can you, can you prove that? Well, I shouldn't have to prove that because God's a good God, but I will. Go to Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 and 17, and this is a follow-up on by his stripes we are healed. When evening was come, they brought unto him, verse 16, that were possessed with demons or devils. And he cast out the spirit with his word and healed all that were sick. What did he do? He healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, that's Isaiah 53, saying himself took our infirmities. What's our infirmities? Our sin, our wickedness, and bear our sicknesses. So what was Jesus Christ doing here? He was healing them physically, and he was delivering them spiritually. So healing is in the atonement. By his stripes, the blood of the lamb, we are healed. Look at what Peter says, 1 Peter. 1 Peter, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 24 and 25 who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That's Jesus. What did he take on him? Our sins on the cross. He took our sins on the cross. Everybody say sins. He took our sins on the cross. Say that again, on the cross. That we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd, the bishop of your soul. Now notice that on the cross he took our sins, but by the stripes he took, by the cat nine tails, he bore our sicknesses and diseases were healed. Isn't that beautiful? By his stripes we were healed. I love the phrase. It says, by whose stripes ye were healed. That's past tense. Past tense. We were healed at the cross of Calvary. But in Isaiah chapter 53, it says we are healed. That's presence. So if we are, then we were. And if we were, then we are. Amen? Thank God for the healing power of God. But let me just once again go again. 
and, and say to everybody in this room that we don't get together and spend all our time learning what we can do, but what God can and will do. Because so many times people are spending much of their time trying to prove that the power is in them more so than in the very um, magnificence of God. God is majestic. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. And apart from Jesus Christ, there is no healing physically. Amen? You need to worry about people that say, I've got the gift of healing. No, they don't. Jesus has the healing gift. He just allows us to participate in it and enjoy it. Amen? You know, too many times people want to emphasize the strutting of ourselves concerning healing and lose the fact that the healing alone is in Jesus Christ. Now, if the healing alone is in Jesus Christ, then we've got to come up to Jesus Christ. And one thing, we've got to get close to Jesus Christ. And one thing we need to understand more than ever is that if we end up with a terminal disease, cancer, or end up with a terminal disease, you know, kidney failure, something of that nature, something the doctor says it's going to get you, it's going to get you, it's going to get you, it's going to get you. Well, I want to say to you, Jesus is going to get you, he's going to get you, Jesus is going to get you. But the doctor says it's going to get you, you're going to die, and I say, no, Jesus is going to get you, but you've got to get close to Jesus so he can reach you. And what happens is people get a terminal sickness like cancer or kidney failure or heart um, um, congestive heart failure. And the doctors say it's going to get you. What happens is we lock ourselves in our room. We shut our shutters. We close the curtains. We stay at home. We don't spend time in the presence of God. We get our whole life wrapped around doctors and medicine and treatment, and we separate us from the very thing that we need most, and that is we need each other, and we need Jesus Christ. And when you separate yourself from each other, and you separate yourself from Jesus Christ, yeah, cancer's going to get you. Yes, fatal disease is going to get you. Now, there are some rare circumstances. There are some rare circumstances where, like Terry Wilkins and, and Lonnie, um, they, they went quickly, and, and they were just gone. There's rare things. But I want to tell you, if, if the Lord lets you hang around long enough, you can hear the I will. I said, if the Lord lets you hang around long enough, you can hear the I will. You just got to get closer. You know, you'd never find in the Bible where Jesus Christ said, I won't. You don't find in the Bible where Jesus Christ said, nope, not going to do it. You're going to die. Jesus didn't do that. Now, Elijah did that. Isaiah did that. But Jesus, when he showed up, he didn't say, nope, not going to hear you. You're going to die. It's done. You're dead. The only people that Jesus did not heal was people who ignored him. Is that right? How many can say amen to that? The only people that Jesus did not heal was people that ignored him. You say, well, what about the mass of the crowd that flogged in around him and they weren't healed? They were looking for a sign. They were looking for the 
pretty boy stuff. They were looking for the flowers. They were looking for the excitement. But they really weren't looking for a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They wanted to see the miracle man. I want to feel and know the miracle man. I don't want to just see the miracle man. I want to experience the miracle man. And I have. His name is Jesus Christ. Hello. Now, I already said enough right now that you could go home and say, wow, that's, that's awesome about what God is showing us in healing. But uh, a perfect illustration of Matthew 8, verse 16 and 17, I read it to you, is that Jesus healed the sick physically. And that is very profound when you look at Isaiah 53, verse 4 through 6. He does heal. He heals the people that are depressed, oppressed, that are full of grief and sorrow, but he just has to get you close enough. Draw nigh to God, and what will he do? Draw nigh to you. Too many people are not drawing nigh to God. You see, you can't stay at home and feel sorry for yourself if you're sick. You can't, you can't stay away from the church and feel sorry for you, yourself if you're sick. The very people you need is sitting in this room. The very people you need is God's people that are charged with the power of God. Because Jesus promised if two or three get together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. So we know that Jesus tonight is here. So let me move a little further because I, I, I want to finish this message with a good solid understanding. We should pray for each other as believers. We should pray for each other as believers. Now, go to James 5, book of James. Oh, I love that name. The only name I love more is Jesus, and then there's Judy. My Judy, by the way. I had to be careful. <laughs> the book of James, last chapter, 5. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Who's praying the prayer? The church, the elders. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, that you may be healed. And the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Back up to verse 13. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. If you're down and sad and afflicted, pray. Pray, 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 pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Rejoice. If you're happy, sing. If you're sad, pray. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That, my friend, is the church way of healing the sick as a group. We should pray for each other as believers. Now, I want to point out some things. It's real important that you see this. You see, the more you believe and pray, the closer you're going to get to your divine health. The more you believe and pray, the closer you're going to get to your divine health. Sometimes health takes a while. The, the, you know, God can heal instantly, and then God heals slowly. I hate it when he heals slowly. But he does heal. If you have got a choice, would you take it rapid, immediately, or would you go slow? Well, I think the answer is very clear. 
none of us are going to go slow. Nobody wants to even hear a sermon that's slow. We want it now. We want it fast. But maybe God wants to go slow so that we'll pray and believe and learn and grow. Not because God don't want to heal you, but because God wants to do something for you that's more important than your healing physically. Wow. We should pray for each other as believers. Now, what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to call for the elders of the church, and, you're, and the elders of the church are to anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. In other words, they will be saved physically. And if they've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven. So that tells me that some people get sick in the church because they're gossipers. Some people get sick in the church because they're strife sowers. Other people get sick in the church because they're old or they're young. They've, they have a hard immune system. So we're not pointing fingers tonight. We're just saying that if, the phrase is if they've committed sin, they're forgiven. Isn't that good? Now, everybody wants to say, well, that's sin is, you know, the guy's slipping out at night and he's smoking weed and drinking beer and whiskey. No, it could be true, but that's not what he's talking about. Did you know being depressed to the point that you won't serve God is sin? Being oppressed to the point that you won't honor God is sin. It's called our faults. We're to confess our faults one to another so that we can pray for each other and be healed. Now, let me point out something. Nowhere in the Bible does he teach us as believers to chase down sinners and anoint them with oil. Amen? Nowhere. I was out one time, and I think it was, uh, yeah, it was, just outside of Galena toward Reed Springs, and uh, there was a, a car broke down, and, uh, and the guy in the car was, uh, had a sick baby, and, and um, me and Rob Coons was, running around together a little bit, and, and uh, we had another guy with us. I'm not going to mention his name because of the controversy, but the other guy was one of them anointing with oil, you know, and he wanted to, and, and it was obvious the people in the car were not Christians, but the guy with me and Rob Coons was a Christian, but he was one that everything, you know, everything, I mean, everything's better with oil. Donuts is better with oil. Eggs are better with oil. All makes things better. And, and so uh, the car had been off for a while. The baby was sick. And me and Rob said, well, we'll pray for the baby. We'll pray for the baby. And, and me and Rob said, we'll help you get home. And we'll pray for the baby. The baby was burning up fever. And, and the guy in the back seat, I'm not going to tell you who it was because he might be listening. And that would not be good because he would look me up and beat the stuff out of me, you know, the God stuff out of me. He tried to beat me up. But anyway, he said, we're not praying for that baby, not until we have some oil. Bob Coon says, we don't have no oil. He said, the car's got oil. And he popped the hood on the car and pulled out the dipstick. And the dipstick took the dipstick to the sick baby. I said the dipstick to the dipstick, uh, dipstick to the sick baby and put oil on the sick baby and the baby, we prayed for the baby and the baby was healed. 
But it wasn't because of the dipstick guy with the dipstick oil. It was because we laid hands on the baby and we prayed the prayer of faith. They were lost. They didn't know God. You say, how do you know they were lost? Their car was full of whiskey and beer and it smelled like a, a, a smoke shop, you know, a, a weed shop or whatever. And so we knew they weren't saved, but we prayed for them. Now, do I just automatically say, um, they're saved because God healed their baby? No, they're still lost as they can be. Was the baby saved? Baby didn't need to be saved. Baby was already saved as a baby. But to anoint people with oil is not for lost people. It's for Christians. And never take a bottle of oil around with you to pray and anoint lost people with oil because first of all, they don't know what that oil is and they will mistake that for some kind of weird herb you've got that you've smashed and got the juice out of it and they'll mistake that for some healing power. If you're going to pray for the sick, you go to them and you lay hands on them without the oil. I'm talking about lost people. You pray for them without the oil and the prayer of faith shall save them. And God can save them through your faith. Your faith in God's ability to save them because they ain't got no faith. But God can save them in the process, enlighten them to say, wow, you know, I need to get right with God. And you can use that as a tool to bring them people to Jesus Christ. Amen. So, now that you've learned about the dipstick, we should pray each other as believers. Now, let me quickly say this. A lot of people have serious issues with their life in the church because they feel like everybody's down on them or they feel like that they, you know, the church would be better off without them or they feel like they're insignificant in the church. And they, they're depressed or they're discouraged or they're obsessed or going through hard times. Let me tell you, friend, that's a fault. And if you have that fault, you are to come to the church, confess your fault to each other, and say, look, folks, I'm, I'm wrestling with this. I'm struggling with this. And if we'll anoint you with oil and pray for you, the prayer of faith shall deliver you from that. See, there's more than just, there's physical sickness, there's spiritual sickness, there's mental sickness, there's, there's a, a, a social or spiritual sickness in people's lives. And, and, and I, I would like to say there are people in the church, I'd like to say that the lost people are the only ones that deal with that, but trust me, the, the church should be a hospital for people. Amen. Is anybody getting anything out of this tonight? I hope you are. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we should pray for each other as believers. So if, I, if I'm struggling with something, I'm, you know, I have a constant problem with depression or obsession. Maybe you, maybe you have sin. You feel guilty. Maybe your past is eating you up. Maybe you're having a hard time because you feel like the church looks at you like that third eye looking at you. You know, you're a bad person. That preacher was looking right at me when he said that. See, if you feel that and you're a Christian, you're a born-again Christian, you need to come to the altar and say, look, preacher, you looked at me all night. I, I have this problem. I have this fault in my life. I need, to, I need prayer. And we anoint you with oil and pray for you. And when God heals you, he forgives you at the same time. Isn't that beautiful? You can be forgiven and healed at the same time. 
So if, if sickness is keeping you, if, if, let me back up. If sin or guilt complex is keeping you from coming to church as a believer, and trust me, believers sin too sometimes. If sickness or sin or, or you know, inferiority or guilt complex keeps you from coming to church, if you'll come to the church and say, look, I've wrestled with this for years and I need to confess my fault. I'm wrestling with this. Would you anoint me with oil and pray for me and we'll anoint you with oil, which is the picture of the Holy Spirit and we'll pray over you and God will forgive you and heal you and deliver you. That's why we ought to pray for each other more often. Hello? It's important that we pray for each other. Now let me go to the last one. I'm running out of time. We should pray for the sick as representatives of Christ. We should pray for the sick as representatives of Christ. You said, where's some scripture for that? Well, let's look at Jesus as an example. Luke 4, 40. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Look at Jesus as an example. Luke 4, verse 40. Now, when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers' diseases brought them unto him. That divers' diseases isn't sin. That's physical sickness, divers' diseases, various diseases. Brought them unto him. And what did Jesus do? Laid hands on every one of them and healed them. Jesus is our example. Hello? And so we as representatives, we should pray for the sick as representatives. How many would agree with that? Let's look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Go into all the world, verse 15. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, there's not a church in the country that don't agree with that. We go out and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, the church in the country doesn't believe in that. They believe that people believe on the Lord Jesus Christ are saved. Here's where it gets ugly. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Look up here. Do you believe? Come on, look up here. Do you believe? Do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Do you know you're saved? Do you believe you're a born-again child of God? Do you? Then God lives in you. That makes you a, to have personal responsibility as a representative of Jesus Christ. You are to do the works of Jesus Christ. That means praying for the sick. And these signs shall follow them, believe in my name, they shall cast out devils. Oh, wow. They shall speak with new tongues. Yep. They shall take up serpents. Well, I got a little Baptist in me on that one. But anyway, no, it just means that they, they'll take up demons. They'll handle them. If they drink any deadly thing, that's called coffee. It shall not hurt them. I know it won't hurt you guys because some of you have been drinking that stuff for years and you're still alive. Now look at the last part of verse 18. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. Are you a believer? Are you a believer? Do you have hands? 
Look at your hand. Now, look at that hand and say, hand, you need to go there on someone sick. Now, the one thing we do is we tell people we'll pray for you and then we never pray. That's one thing that I'm careful about. When I tell someone I'm going to pray for you, I write it down so I won't forget because I've got a 68-year-old brain. So I write it down. But I don't tell people I'm going to pray for you and then forget to pray for them. If I say I'm going to pray for you, I am going to pray for you. But the most important thing to do is when you meet someone that's sick, whether they're lost or whether they're saved, if you meet someone, if they're saved, you can take a bottle of oil if you want to and invite Attention, Walmart shoppers, we have a customer here that's sick. Would all the believers gather around as elders? We're going to anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith. And the manager's not going to come around because you're nuts. And by the time the policemen get there, it won't matter. The person's already healed and you won't care. You'll be going off praising God. I don't believe that. If you're a believer and you got hands, the Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. It doesn't say instantly recover. It doesn't say immediately they'll recover. It says they shall recover. They shall recover. It doesn't say they immediately will recover. It says they shall recover. You know, we miss a lot of opportunities when people tell us that they're sick. When we could say, I'm praying for you now. I, I, I met some one time, we were, where, what, what store? Oh, it's Kmart. I'm really old. Kmart. I did Kmart. And I met someone, they said, oh, uh, Brother Akins, and they knew how to pray. He said, I've been so sick and I need you to pray for me. I said, okay, I'll do that. And they said, thank you. I said, no, that, come here. They said, here? It was the husband and wife. Here? I say, yeah, here. I'm here. You're here. God's here. I'm going to pray for you. And I laid hands on and prayed for them, and they shall recover. Did they get healed? I don't know. That's not my job. It's not my job to decide whether they're healed or not. It's the Holy Ghost's job, and my job is to release the potential of God's healing power at the time I lay hands on them and pray for them. They may get healed instantly. They may get healed a year later. They, but you'll be surprised how many testimonies that will come along. Later on, you prayed for me, and I was healed. And I, instantly I tell them, it wasn't me, the Lord. I'm just another believer. And we shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We should take every opportunity that we have to lay hands on people. I'm surprised that so many times we don't lay hands on people and pray for the sick. When we, God wants us to do that. Did you know Jesus laid hands on the sick in public? Did you know Jesus wants us to talk about him in public? Oh, it's embarrassing. Not embarrassing for the Lord. We need, don't miss the opportunities to lay hands on people and pray for them. 
You say, what if they don't get healed? You won't know whether they got healed or not. You release your faith. God may do it slow, or he may do it instantly. It doesn't matter. You're not the healer. Pray over them, release your faith, and believe God to heal them, and walk away shouting, praise God, they're healed. Just trust, trust the Lord. Amen? That's biblically. That's a biblical way to pray for people, for healing. We lay hands on them, pray the prayer of faith. Let me say quickly, don't lay hands on them until you're ready to release your faith. Never lay hands on someone until you're ready to release your faith. Because what happens is if you lay your hands on them and then you just start praying, it becomes a prayer meeting. Where if you wait and pray and believe God and you lay hands on them and release your faith, it becomes a healing. Big difference. Do you lay hands on him? By the way, did you know Jesus never laid hands on demon-possessed people? Jesus never laid his hands on demon-possessed people. And if you're smart, you won't either. Jesus always speaks to the lunatic. Jesus always speaks to the troublemaker. He never lays hands on them. He always speaks to them and takes authority over them. Amen? And we can speak healing, but remember, when we speak healing, it's not, I say unto thee, I say unto thee, thus saith the Lord, I believe you're healed. I release my, my faith, and I believe I will see God do healing in you because I am laying hands up. Wrong, 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 wrong. You tell them about Jesus Christ. You love them. You lay hands on them and say, my Jesus loves you so much and he wants to heal you. That's the correct way. Amen? See, what we do is we make healing works instead of grace. If you confess a scripture so many times, you'll be healed. Or if you, you, didn't, you, know, you never use doubt, you always use faith, you always speak positive. And there's a place to speak positive. You should speak positive. You shouldn't speak unbelief all the time. That, that's not good. You should speak with faith. But understand, there's a fine line between works and God's grace. God will heal someone that isn't absolute. You know, the, 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 beautiful thing, the beautiful thing about God is he will heal someone that doesn't have all their ducks in the right row, all in a row. He'll heal them. But what God doesn't want us to do is to make a show of works and our ability. Once again, it isn't us learning what we can do. It's learning what Jesus Christ can and will do. Yeah, the scriptures are powerful. Yes, we should memorize them. Yes, we should equip ourselves. Yes, we should seek the Lord. Yes, we should believe. Yes, we should have a, a spirit of positive faith. Yes, we should do that. But listen, don't allow that to put pride in you that pushes out the power that God wants to use because God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So we're going to get into weeks ahead, proper way to pray for people. I give you some homework, or maybe we ought to call it outdoor work. When you go to Walmart and someone tells you next time, I'm sick, would you pray for me? Sure will. 
put it on their forehead. Praise the Lord. Lord, I ask you to heal her or him. You say, I feel foolish. No, you won't. I mean, you'll feel good when you walk away. Because you'll say, I obeyed the Lord. Amen? You'll feel good. Pray for people. Learn to pray for people. Learn to pray for them. And, and if you see them in Walmart or Kmart or wherever Mart it is, and you see them out there, and they say, you know, I, I really need to get in church. I, you know, I just really need to get in serving the Lord. Then witness to them. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get them saved. But if they say to you, I'm sick, lay hands on them. And pray the prayer of faith. And walk away. It doesn't matter whether they get it instantly or slow. At least they know that you laid hands on them and you cared for them enough to pray for them. And that's the way it works. That's the way it works. Amen. Isn't that good? Now, if I left any loose ends tonight, we'll pick them up next Wednesday night. If I left a little bit of confusion in any area, we'll fix it next Wednesday night because I'm out of time. But please hear me. Salvation can, 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 if we're not careful, we can make salvation just a bunch of works. And healing can become that too. And when you make healing a bunch of works, then there's always a Moses in the crowd. And God don't need a Moses. God has a Jesus. And he's the one that needs to be seen. Amen? So what I'm going to ask you to do tonight, we've got something a little different tonight. But what I'm going to ask you to do tonight, if anyone in this room right now, as you're sick and you need God to touch you, anyone in this room, I'd like for you to raise your hand. Just keep your hand up. You need a touch in body. You need a healing. Come on, just raise your hand. Keep, keep your hand raised. You say, well, my hand's not healed. Well, raise the other one. Say, well, my, both my hands are sick. Well, raise your foot. Do something. Okay, now, you that are raising your hands, I want you that are not raising your hands, to go to them and lay hands on them and pray for God to heal them. Would you do that? Now, I realize we're in church and you can have the oil. Well, we're going we're gonna, to, everybody say, Holy Spirit, come. Because that's a picture of the Holy Spirit. If you've got a bottle of oil, that'd be fine. There's oil up here. But I want you to go to them that's got their hands raised. And I want you to go to them and lay hands on them. And believe God. We're just going to obey the scripture. We're going to obey Mark chapter 16. So I want some of you ladies to go lay hands on Tressie, Tess. These hands that are up, go pray for them, Nimra. Let's do what God told us to do. You men as well, go to those. Randy needs and, and, and uh, Brother Bill. Just go to them. Kathy needs a healing. Just go to them and lay hands on them. Pray for them that they be healed. The God that's in you, pray for them that they would be healed. And lay your hand on them and ask God, God, please. God, you're a good God. Heal them. Heal them. My Lord, heal them. Lord, we ask you, go to Randy and pray for Randy. Lay hands on Randy. When you're ready to release your faith, just lay it on Randy's forehead and just believe God for healing. Amen. Just believe God for healing. 
Lay hands on the sick. You're obeying God right now. You're obeying the will of God. Notice I'm not doing it because it's not me. It's Jesus Christ. Notice I'm not making a line of people to pray for because it's not me. I don't need the light on me. I need the light on Jesus. And so we just lay hands on him. Believe God for healing. 